Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Glad to have you tuning in today on this very important day in which we remember what Jesus did for us through his sacrifice on the cross. I hope you're having a good, good Friday. And I hope that we'll have the opportunity with some of your calls and some of your texts to talk about these wonderful things that Jesus did for us on the day we call Good Fridays. We look forward to Resurrection Sunday, this annual reminder of the hope that we have because Jesus rose from the dead. So welcome to those of you listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you tuning in today. I also want to greet those who are listening on the Radio by Grace network of churches all over the U.S., especially in the southern U.S. states. Uh, We want to greet those who are listening online on gracefm.com and on the Grace FM app. Welcome to the program. If you don't have that app yet, wherever you're tuning in from, really encourage you to get it. Just a great way to be able to tune into the program wherever you are. If you're like me, I don't actually own a radio anymore except in my car. And so most of the time, if I want to tune into the Bible teaching, I'll tune in on a device or on a smart speaker or on my phone. And so would encourage you, if you haven't yet done so, to check out the Grace FM app. You can find it. Just type in Grace FM as one word, no spaces, in your App Store, Google Play Store. On your device, you can get that. But the reason I greet Grace FM, uh, Radio by Grace stations, and those listening online first is because you're here in the show live today. And so we want you to know today is April 15th. It is a Friday. It is Good Friday. Glad to have you with us. And we also want to greet our listening stations on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee, and those listening on Higher Rock Radio in the Treasure Valley of Idaho. Welcome to all of you who are tuning in. Just a heads up that those on Higher Rock Radio, Hope FM, and Truth FM, you hear this show on a one-week delay, and we uh, hope that you'll view that as an opportunity and never a hindrance from participating in the show. The opportunity it gives you is that you know that as you call in, the show that you're on will air a week later in your location, which means that you have a whole week to tell people Uh, friends, family members, colleagues to tune in and listen to you on the radio. And maybe that's a way that you can turn them on to that local station in your area that's got Bible teaching and programs like this going all day long where people can hear the Word of God and be impacted by it. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-3000. 0897. This is a call-in show and a text-in show where you call in and text us with your questions about the Bible. Maybe as you've been reading the Bible, there's something that you've always wondered about, you've been curious about. Maybe there's something in 
culture or in the world or in society or even in your life personally, and you wonder, what does the Bible have to say to that situation? That's what this show is all about, is giving you a place where you can call in every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. We've got pastors standing by to take those calls live and to answer those questions you have. And we're here to also pray for your prayer requests. And so those are equally important. We'd love to hear your prayer requests. We'd love to hear your Bible questions. And just know that as you call in with your question, there's probably a whole bunch of other people out there who are wondering that same thing, and they're going to be glad that you called in. Maybe they're a little too shy to dial those numbers and give us a call. Well, you can be the brave one who calls in and asks. And then as we answer those questions, people will get um, encouraged. They'll get their questions answered. And as you call in with your prayer requests, understand that there are a bunch of people listening online, in different stations all over the United States, and even globally, who are able to pray along with us and lift those prayers up to the Lord as we say yes and amen together. So once again, the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-3000. 0897. One more time, 720-336-0897 for the text line. And I would encourage you, you know, as you hear those numbers repeated throughout the show, store them, put them in your phone. That way, you know, maybe sometime you're out driving and you you think of a question you want to ask or something you want to text in, and you'll have the numbers just saved there where you won't have to listen for them to be repeated again. So save them in your phone. It'll be useful for you in the future. Uh, just a few words about myself as we get into the show. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We are a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in this great city. And if you are within driving distance of Longmont, I personally invite you to come and worship with us this weekend, and I say this weekend, usually I say this Sunday, but I say this weekend because today is Good Friday. We have two Good Friday services. Maybe you're wondering, oh, you know, where can I go to church today to celebrate Good Friday? Well, I'd invite you to come and worship with us. If you were within driving distance of Longmont, we would love to have you. We have two services today at 5 p.m. and 6.30. So right at the end of this show, we have the first one beginning at 5 p.m., and then the second one is at 6.30 For those who want to watch online, our 6.30 Good Friday service will be broadcast online on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. And on Sunday morning, we have actually four Easter services. The first one is a sunrise service. So maybe you're looking for a place to go to a sunrise service. It's really special. We did our first one last year, and we were just shocked at how many people came out for it. We're expecting even more people this year. We're going to be prepared. We have a cool spot just right outside of our building where there's just an unobstructed view looking to the east. And so we're going to start before the sun rises and during the service, the sun will be rising on us. And what's so interesting is that the sunrise is actually a a metaphor that's used in the Bible to describe who Jesus is and the new day that is dawning because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Of course, we remember that the early disciples went to the tomb and they uh, went there early on Easter morning and they saw that Jesus had risen from the grave. And so we're going to celebrate. So that'll be a special service. It's going to be its own message. And then we have 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. Easter services here at our church. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. So 2950 Colorful Avenue. And our zip is 80504, which tells you that we're on the east side of Longmont. 
And we are right on Highway 119. In fact, we, you can see us from Highway 119, which is the main road from uh, I-25 into Longmont and then down into Boulder. And so um, really easy access from I-25, from County Line Road, from 287, and from this whole area. So if you are in like the North Denver metro area, if you're in the Boulder area, if you're in like um, South Larimer County and Weld County, we would love to have you join us. Um, you can find directions and all that good stuff on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. We will be having children's ministry and everything on Easter Sunday, so we would encourage you to bring your family, bring your kids, invite somebody and bring somebody with you. And if you're looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you. So again, whitefieldschurch.com is our website. And with that, let me give you the numbers to call one more time. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're standing by to pray for you and to answer those questions. So give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Okay, so we have two call, uh, two text messages that have come in. And as we wait for our calls, uh, if you're looking to call in, now's a great time. We have open lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our first text message. This person texts in and says, for those that are same-sex attracted and they... Are they still in sin if they resist the temptations for sexual sin and sexual lust, but are not healed of their attraction orientation? That's a great question, um, and I know it's one that's it's a hot topic, but it's not just a hot topic. It's a very personal topic for many people. So I'm glad that you had the courage to text us in with that question. You know, statistically, it's shown that between 4 and 7% of the total population struggles with same-sex attraction. That doesn't mean that everybody in that uh, percentage um, acts upon those things. It doesn't mean that they identify as gay, but 4 to 7% of the population, according to studies, struggles with same-sex attraction in some form or another. And so it's very relevant uh, question. And my answer to you is this. Uh, I would say the answer is no. I would say, so again, the question was, for those who are same-sex attracted, if they resist the temptations for sexual sin and sexual lust, but they still are not healed of their attraction orientation, are they in sin? And my answer to you would be no. Uh, we know that Jesus was tempted in all ways that we are, and yet was without sin. It says that in Hebrews chapter 4. And so was Jesus, we're told that Jesus was sinful, and yet he was tempted. So to be tempted is not in itself a sin. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, right? It wouldn't have been an actual test if Jesus wasn't actually tempted. So Jesus was tempted, and what we learned from this is that Jesus' temptations were not inherently sinful. Rather, uh, acting upon them would have been an act of rebellion, transgression, etc. And since he didn't act on them, he didn't commit sin, and he was sinless. He obeyed the Father. See, that's what it comes down to is this idea of obedience and rebellion and missing the mark. And in things that we don't choose, which I actually do believe that people don't necessarily choose to be same-sex attracted. For many people, it's something that they, they wish didn't exist. Even, even people who uh, do identify as gay, many of them have said, you know, it's not something I would have chosen for myself. It's not something I wanted. Um, but the, the choice to act upon it is 
something that you are told by God not to do because it's outside the bounds of what God gives as a sexual ethic and the way that he designed sex to work. And so the answer for your question is, um, no, I don't think that you are in sin if you are resisting those temptations but are still finding yourself attracted. So let me pray for you and others who are struggling with this issue. Heavenly Father, I lift up this person who wrote in, and uh, obviously a very personal thing, a very difficult thing that they're struggling with. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them the strength, as your word says in, um, in, in the letter to the Corinthians, Lord, that no temptation has come upon us except that which is common to man. And when it comes, you give the strength to stand up under it. So, Lord, thank you that you're faithful to do that. And I pray for um, not, not only this person who texted in, other people who struggle with this, but also those who struggle with lust and sexual sin that is not homosexual in nature, but is heterosexual in nature. Lord, those who struggle with sexual temptations, I pray that as they um, seek to walk with you, Lord, that you would give them the strength by your grace to resist sin and walk with you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for writing in. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air, answering your questions about the Bible, praying for your prayer requests. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Mary in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. Um, so I've been studying the Word of God, and um, I'm in Acts right now. And um, there's a passage that I'm not too um, sure, and it, it's I don't recall uh, which verse it is, but in Acts, uh, the, the, they're talking about the apostles, they're talking about how Gentiles need to be um, circumcised. Um, in order to be right with God. Um, but then they get together and then, uh, they, they come to the agreement that they shouldn't put that, um, that burden on us, a burden that they themselves couldn't carry, um, but that we should abstain from things offered to God. And there was two other things that I don't recall, but the things that, um, that to other gods, um, that, that the things offered to other gods was what confused me. So, um, it's, is it referring to foods that are offered to other gods? Yeah, it is. It, absolutely. And that is discussed, by the way, in a few other passages in the Bible. Um, maybe the most prominent among them is Romans chapter 14. So does that mean, because um, I, I, I also read one that says that um, God has cleaned everything and that we were okay to eat anything mm. um, unless, unless um, it, you know, it caused someone to stumble, then we should, you know, not eat from, for, for them. Um, so then I, I just don't know how to ask this question. I'm sorry. No, you're making going. total sense. Just, you got okay. this. Keep going. Okay. So does that mean that we should not, even though, um, so the things that were cleansed, is that things that were like, everything's now cleansed for Israel, but not for us Gentiles then? Mm. Yeah, good question. So the answer is this, that in Christ, we understand that those dietary laws, they served a purpose. And the purpose was to explain, now they served actually two purposes, the spiritual purpose and the physical purpose. Okay, the spiritual purpose was that they communicated something to us. Um, Colossians chapter 2 
it says this thing that's really important. It's also said in the first verse of Hebrews chapter 10. It says that everything that came before in the law, these things were shadows, which pointed to something, kind of like foreshadowing in a story. And the substance is found in Christ. And so the reason why these things can now, these rules can now pass away is because these were what we call ceremonial laws, right? So the there's 613 laws in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament law of Moses. Of those 613 laws, they break down into three categories. Civil, which means how society is governed. Ceremonial, which is things like eating kosher diet and uh, wa- doing r- ritual washings, the sacrificial system. And then the third category is moral laws, right? So like don't commit murder and don't steal and don't lie, etc. Now the moral laws are based on God's unchanging character. Therefore the moral laws don't pass away. They don't change because God doesn't change. The ceremonial laws were actually fulfilled in and through Jesus is what we're learning through the book of Acts, for example, and uh, through like the end of the gospels and into the the letters that are written by the apostles. They explain how, particularly the, the letter to the Hebrews, explains how the ceremonial laws were fulfilled by Jesus. And so because they've been fulfilled, they have served their purpose and they are no longer needed. Now, I'll just say as an aside or parenthetical statement that the the second use of the dietary laws was actually to protect the people of Israel from things that they didn't even know were a danger. For example, we know now that like if you don't cook pork well enough, you could get um, you know like really dangerous diseases that can kill you. And the same being with shellfish, etc. And so God protected his people Israel by telling them not to eat these foods. And actually, you know, the ceremonial washings, all that, if you go back even to the Middle Ages, many of the Jewish population of Europe was protected from the Black Plague because they were they had better hygiene. Now, the reason they had better hygiene was because God's word told them to. So as they obeyed the word of God, they were actually being protected from physical disease and things like that. And, and of course, then we could get into the um, civil laws and why those have passed away because, you know, this the society in which they were given was a theocratic society, which doesn't exist anymore. Okay, all that to say, the, the what's happening there is this. Those dietary laws have served their purpose and been fulfilled in Jesus. So for anyone who is in Christ, they are no longer required to keep those dietary or any of the other ceremonial laws, anything from washings to uh, sacrifices to food. And um, now, Paul says, hey, look, so this would be in like 1 Corinthians chapters, let's say 8 through 11, or maybe 8 through 9 are are really where the big focus is. Um, Paul says, if you still want to eat kosher food, then fine, you can, but don't put that requirement on somebody else. Now that applies both to Jews and Gentiles. And Paul says the same thing in Romans 14. Hey, if you want to eat kosher, go for it, but don't think that that makes you more righteous than anybody and don't put like a trip on other people that they have to do it too. Does that help answer the question? Yeah, that definitely does. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Pastor, because I was so worried because we went to eat one day and I saw like a statue and I I wasn't sure 
if I was okay to eat it because I don't know if they um, pray uh-huh. for their food to their God like we pray to our God for our food. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting question. I'll just quickly answer that. When I, I used to live in Hungary, right? And uh, when I lived in Hungary, one of the best restaurants in town was this restaurant run by Hare Krishna's. And mm-hmm. they actually do like sacrifice their food to idols. And so it was like a it was like one of these questions where you think, oh, that's just something that applied back then. And then I'm like, no, it actually applies in many places today, you know, in cultures where they do, you know, pray for their food before idols and things like that. Um, here's what I would tell you. I think that what Paul's saying very clearly in Romans 14 and in 1 Corinthians is that those idols have no power because if you are in Jesus, then... Um, Basically, all things are clean to you, and you don't need to be afraid of those things having a negative spiritual effect on you. On the other hand, if you're with other people and you know that those people are going to have a problem with it, like they're going to have a conscious issue, conscience issue, then maybe just abstain just for the sake of not causing a stir. So that that's yeah. what it comes to. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. God bless you, Pastor. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Keedy from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Armando in Las Vegas. Hi, Armando. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you guys? Doing great. Awesome. Um, sorry for the noise. So I had a question. Um, I wanted to know if when Rebecca lied to Isaac and said, this is Esau, and it was actually Jacob, was that God's will for that to happen? Or was God's will completed regardless of that happening? Mm. Yeah, it's hard for us to say, right? Because, um, right, we we don't know. Like, what if they hadn't done it that way? What if they hadn't done it in a deceitful way? Would God have still given the blessing to Isaac in a different way? Or sorry, not to Isaac, but to Jacob? I think the answer is yes, although it's speculation, right? We don't know because, well, this is how it happened. Um, But my speculation would be yes, and here's why. Because it says that God had chosen them even from from birth, right? It says the older will serve the younger. That was told to them even when they were in the womb. And so I think it was God's plan. But there you see a good example of somebody doing something that probably is ultimately right and God's will, but doing it in a way that is not godly. Oh, I'll give you... Just a quick story on that. Like I remember I did this outreach once with this other group. Um, and they wanted to to show a film for the outreach. And this was back in the, the several years ago, you know, when like downloading off of torrents was a really popular thing. And so they had downloaded this movie illegally before it came out and they showed it to this group of Muslim students. It was a movie about Jesus. This was in Europe. And so I remember the Muslim students were like, wait, how'd you get this movie? And they were like, oh, we downloaded it. And they're like, you downloaded it illegally? And like these Muslim students were stumbled over the fact that these Christians didn't obey the law and then showed them a movie about Jesus that they downloaded illegally. 
And it's just one of these things where it's like, okay, does God want these Muslim students to know him? Yeah, but maybe don't do the work of God in an ungodly way. Like mm -hmm. God can do his work without you needing to cut corners. Right. So, so I do think that God would have done it a different way, but I think that, you know, you know, the old maxim that we say that God is able to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. I think that's a good example of what's happening there. Mm, that's interesting, huh? Well, uh, if I have a quick, can I ask another question? Sure. Um, so I understand in the Bible that it says, so I, I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in luck at all. I believe in the will of God. And the reason I say that is because in Proverbs, it says men cast the lots, but the decision is of the Lord. And, and the same thing happened in Acts where uh, the apostles were casting lots to see who would join them, and it landed on Matthias. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think the only problem with that thing with Matthias is that you're saying, okay, God, here are your two options. You've got this guy or this guy. And maybe God's like, well, I actually want a different guy. So just because you name this guy as an apostle doesn't mean that I actually called him to be an apostle. Because that was the whole, you know, the word apostle means one who is sent. And so that's what made those apostles unique is that they were sent by Jesus. And then, so the only other person who's sent by Jesus is the apostle Paul, who says, I was, you know, called to be an apostle out of order because God appeared, Jesus appeared to him in a vision on the road to Damascus. So, um, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion over whether Matthias was a legit apostle or if he was kind of just like shoehorned in there by the other apostles by this casting of lots thing. I think it's very possible. You know, the the big argument against Matthias is not a very good one. The argument goes like this. It goes like, well, then we never read about Matthias again. Yeah, but you also right. don't read about like nine of the other apostles ever again either. It doesn't mean that they weren't apostles. So um That's true. Yeah, so I don't know, but I would I would say that choosing apostles by the casting of lots probably isn't the best way to do it. But then again, it's hard for me. I'm kind of an armchair quarterback, you know, 2000 years later at this point. So hard uh -huh, to say right, right. When, when we're choosing people to be leaders in the church, we don't usually just cast lots. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, my friend, that's all I had to ask. Hey, those are great questions. Keep reading that Bible and keep uh, listening to the program and calling in. Thank you. All right. God bless you. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have come up to our mid-show break. It's going to happen here in about 30 seconds. You'll hear the music. Um, but we have oh, 90 seconds. Um, so about a minute and a half. We're going to go to Steve in Denver after the break. Steve's got a great question about the timing of Jesus being in the grave for three days and three nights. And Steve, I hope you stay, stay on the line because I have a great answer for you. The answer might kind of throw off your thinking, um, but it's 
I believe it's accurate and it's biblical. Can't wait to share that with you and our listeners. I've also got um, something I wanted to share with you guys, and I hope that we have a moment that I'll have the opportunity to do that about, you know, there's this this idea out there that Easter has pagan origins, right? That it comes from uh, Ishtar. Uh, some other people would say that Easter eggs are pagan in origin. And I wanted to share with you a little bit of history that shows that that's actually not the case. And I'll, I'll give you a, uh, some reasons why that is coming up right after the break. We have one open line. We'd love to take your calls here, answer your Bible questions and pray for your prayer requests. Give us a call. 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897 and we'll be, we'll be right back in two minutes time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here taking your calls and texts live on the air. Uh, Every weekday, we have pastors standing by from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to answer your questions questions about the Bible and pray for your prayer requests. I think we have one open line, so the number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Steve in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Steve, welcome to the program. Hello. Steve, yeah, I'm here. What's your question? Oh, okay. Question was... uh... The three days that Jesus was in the in the grave, if you look at it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to me, it kind of seems like that's only two days. So how did they how do they figure the three days? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it's a really important question because in Matthew twelve verses thirty eight through forty one, some of the fri- scribes and Pharisees come and they ask Jesus for a sign that he really is the Messiah, and Jesus says, "I'll give you one sign and one sign only. That's the sign of the prophet Jonah." And then he says, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the son son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, the three nights thing is the problem, right? Because somebody might say, okay, well, it was three days, etc., but three nights, that's, that's the hard one. So here's the problem. If Jesus died on Good Friday and rose on Easter Sunday— it doesn't add up to three days and three nights. At most, it adds up to like two and a half days and two nights. So did Jesus not fulfill the prophecy? So a few things to understand uh, about this is that some people try to solve this by saying like, well, that's because Jewish um, people count the beginning of a new day from the, the sunset, which is true. But even if you do that math, it still doesn't add up to three days and three nights, right? So, Because essentially they're cheating the days into nights, or the nights into days, whatever. So here's, here's actually the key to understanding this. In John 19, verse 31, it says this, Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was a special Sabbath. Now, in your Bible, underline that 
phrase. The next day was a special Sabbath. All right, a special Sabbath referred to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a holiday which is always observed on the same day in the Jewish calendar, which, by the way, is a lunar calendar based off the moon phases, as opposed to our calendar, which is based on the sun. Okay, so, so that's why there's the day of Easter changes every year. Okay, so that day was the 15th day of Nisan, which is the month in the Jewish calendar. Now, according to the, the Jewish calendar, right, it always happened on that day. Now, then the Passover um, would happen on the 14th day of Nisan. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread was from the 15th to 22nd. Okay, here's what I'm trying to tell you. That day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread always happens on the same calendar day. But then remember, the Sabbath is always on a Saturday. So it's kind of like this. You know how sometimes uh, the 4th of July falls on a Friday and then you get a three-day weekend? Well, that's kind of what happened here. Basically, the, um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread happened, started on a, a Friday, right? And then um, then you had all this happen. So here's here's what it all comes down to. Jesus actually died on a Thursday. And the key to understanding this is understanding that verse, John 19, verse 31. Now, of course, we have our traditions in which we say Good Friday. But if we want to be really biblical, we need to understand that Good Friday was actually on a Thursday. And in this way, uh, Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights, fulfilling the prophecy. And uh, I know that kind of throws off a lot of our thinking, right? We think about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but we need to be thinking rather that Maundy Thursday was actually on a Wednesday, and then um, Good Friday was actually on a Thursday, and then you know you have the two silent days. So that's the okay, answer. Okay, well that's kind of what I came up with also. But uh, in other words, man and his ingenuity, because of our work week, we decided Good Friday was actually Friday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the origins of celebrating Good Friday are, but certainly um, it probably has something to do like with what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but, well, but yeah. Figured, yeah, the it, numbers could only figure out right if it uh, was actually Thursday that he was uh, buried and not Friday. Yeah. And so basically what that verse in John 19 tells us, 19 verse 31, it was a special Sabbath. It meant that basically there was a holiday on Friday, which made that day a Sabbath, a day of rest. Then the next day was the normal Sabbath, which is Saturday, which is always a Sabbath. So you had two Saturdays, two Sabbaths right next to each other, kind of like when you have a three-day weekend for 4th of July. And then Jesus rose on Sunday. So they had to get him in the grave, it says there, before the sunset on um, on Thursday. I figured something like that. I just had never had anybody explain it to me. But uh, now I have a, a, a better understanding to support where my head was going. Well, I wrote an article about it where I explain it in more detail and I give a chart and everything like that. Um, if you want to find that, you can find it on my website, nickkady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. And in the search bar, just put in, was Jesus in the grave three days and three nights? So it, it'll come up really fast. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Sure. You bet. God bless you.
And if any of you out there uh, want that article and you're like, I don't remember anything you said about how to find it, uh, just text me and I'll text you back a link to that article. Um, and we've done that many times on the show. So the text line is 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. Text me and I will send you a link to that article explaining how the math of three days and three nights adds up for Jesus's resurrection. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Maria in Aurora. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, hi, Pastor. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you great. What's up? Okay, perfect. Um, I just have one question that has always been in my mind. Um, when we pray, let's say for somebody that is... Um, not Christian, and it's doing that, you know, so they're probably doing stuff like they're bad, you know, maybe committing adultery or even witchcraft, but listening to music that is kind of diabolical and stuff. If you go and you pray and, and you cover yourself with the blood of Christ when you pray, um, are you putting yourself in a vulnerable, in a vulnerable position um, to have like any bad spirits attack you? Because when I um, became a Christian um, back in when I was 15 years old, I'm 34 now, um, okay. I, I, I lived in Peru, in South America. So we went to this church. And the, uh, my father's step, um, excuse me, my stepsister, um, she was already supposed a Christian. And um, she used to say things like, if you pray for somebody that is committing such and such a sin, you're putting yourself in that position that, like, you have to be at a greater spiritual level to do that. And sometimes, you know, I even heard that she said that that she was going to let, she was going to stop praying for, for some people unless she received some kind of donation. Um, so at that point, I just, me and my mom, we just uh, separated ourselves from this person because a lot of the things that she was saying didn't, didn't uh, match with what we were being taught. Uh, about God, how kind He is, and how He protects us. Um, and so now, now I live in the United States for almost 15 years, and I go to Calvary Chapel, and I like the way the pastor uh, preaches. Um, but every time that I'm praying, you know, a little fear, like a little thing comes into my mind. For example, I'm praying for my brother um, who is in Peru, and we lost our mom last year. And my brother, he's, he believes in God, but right now his heart is broken, and he sometimes believes that God doesn't care or, you know, just is, is having some conflicting feelings. Um, and when I want to pray for him, you know, like for God to help him, you know, a little fear comes like, well, your brother does weird stuff. Like he listens to diabolical music, and not diabolical music, but, you know, music sang by people that are in that realm, like Marilyn Manson and that type of people. Um, and I'm like, well, if I pray for him, would I be putting myself in a vulnerable position for some yeah. kind of attack. Well, let me let me just jump in and answer you real quick. I would say the answer is no. I, I do not think that you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position by praying for someone who is in sin or doing things like that. Um, in fact, I think that you should absolutely be doing that. And the verse that I would give you to encourage you is to remember that he who is in you right? If Jesus is in you, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, meaning uh, the, the devil and the enemy. 
So I don't think that you need to have any concern about um, spiritual attack if you are praying for someone who is in sin. Uh, I'll tell you this, anybody you pray for is a sinner. And um, and I know that you, you would probably say, well, obviously there are different degrees of severity when it comes to different sins. And that's true. But I'll tell you this, that um, you, as a person who has the Holy Spirit inside of you, I believe that you are um, protected from the spiritual attacks. And yeah, I would say anybody who says that they're not going to pray for somebody unless they get a donation or money, yeah, that's not good at all. And that's not something that you can support biblically. And it seems like that kind of attitude could easily lead to manipulation as well. So I would just tell you, um, I would encourage you, be praying for people who are in sin. Paul says that he prays for the salvation of the Jewish people, even though they were in the sin of, of unrepentance and unbelief. Uh, we read that Jesus said that he'll pray for his disciples, even though they were being tempted and sifted by Satan. And so I would encourage you, you can pray for anybody, and please do. Please pray for God to set those people free from the bondage that they're in, from the deception of Satan. So I'm going to let you go. Uh, great to hear from you, and thank you for calling in. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have a lot of calls and a lot of texts to get to. And so let's go to Jack in South Carolina. Hi, Jack. Welcome to the program. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. What's up? Okay, great. Okay. Um, so I've, I've been reading um, this week uh, about, you know, the the betrayal of Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection and all of that. And um, one of the a question that came to my mind was, it talks about, um, I'm driving right now, so I don't have my Bible open, but th there's a, a verse where it talks about Pilate um, that, that after, um, when he was talking to Jesus, basically, and, he, and then he talked to the Pharisees and the Pharisees, told him, they said, this man has claims to be the son of God. And Pilate, it says, Pilate was even more afraid. And he went back and talked to Jesus some more. Um, and I, but it doesn't specifically say why he was more afraid. Mm. In fact, it doesn't say why he was afraid. I mean, I think there was probably a lot of reasons that he could be afraid or be more afraid. I, I mean, if I was told that the person that he's that he's dealing with claimed to be the Son of God, that would that should make you afraid. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I don't. I, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about why Pilate was afraid. I know his wife had talked to him mm -hmm. about about Jesus, but anyway, whatever. You, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question, and I think that it's it's a pretty simple answer. I'm not sure I know everything that was going on in his mind, but it seems that um, Pilate, you know, realized that he was kind of on the wrong side of this equation, right? Like he's doing something which is going against God, even if he didn't believe in God. I think that, or at least that. Yahweh was God, right? And that Jesus was God. I think that he understood that here's a man who had committed no wrongs, 
And the more he talked to Jesus, he realized that he's about to send a man to execution who has done nothing wrong. And he even tried to get out of it. Remember, he's like, uh, I'll release one prisoner. Here's a guy who's super bad and dangerous. And here's a guy who did literally nothing. So which one? And he was kind of banking on the idea that everybody's going to let the innocent guy go. And of course they didn't. And so I think on the one hand, he might've been scared that he was about to do something, which was actually um, might get him in trouble with his superiors. If they found out that he sent an innocent man to be crucified, the, the most violent, terrible form of punishment that was so uh, terrible that even Roman citizens were forbidden from being crucified. And so I think that was probably part of it, but I think there was the spiritual element Whereas he's speaking to Jesus. He can realize that this man is, is not like other men, right? That there's, there's something here and he is going against God at, by, by putting this man to death. And so that, I think it's that simple. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, it is fascinating that his wife had come to him and said, you need to don't have anything to do with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wives yeah. get into it stuff sometimes like that, eh? <laughs> sometimes they, I know my wife seems to have a sense uh, of the spirit sometimes that I don't have. And I'm so, yeah. I'm so thankful for that. That's so Amen. good. Amen. Hey, thanks well, for calling in. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have a lot of text messages to get to, but we've got time. We've got about 13 minutes left in the show. So if any of you out there want to call in with your Bible questions and prayer requests, we can certainly get a few more of you in. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-3000. 0897. As we go over the text line, let me just give you, uh, for those of you who weren't here at the beginning of the show, maybe you're joining us now, let me just tell you that I personally invite you to join us this weekend at the church that I pastor, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, for our worship services. We have two Good Friday services happening today. We have one at five o'clock and then another at 6.30. That 6.30 one will also be broadcast online on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. So if you're looking for a place to worship tonight, maybe join us at 5 or 6.30, depending on how close you are to our church. If you're looking for directions, you can find that on our website or just by looking us up online, Whitefields Community Church. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. Easter Sunday, we have a sunrise service at 6 a.m. Then we'll have services at 8, 9.30, and 11. So it's a great opportunity for you to bring a friend or family member or just join us to worship and celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Let's go to our text line. Our first question says, is it okay to get divorced if there is physical abuse? Yeah, so is physical abuse grounds for divorce according to the Bible? Some people would read this and they've they've said, obviously there are two reasons that are given in the Bible for divorce, why it's allowed. So Jesus had said that adultery, Matthew chapter 19, uh, Jesus had said that in the case of adultery, uh, divorce was acceptable. Now, he didn't say that it was commanded, right? He said that if you want to re, if you want there to be forgiveness, reconciliation, that would be ideal. But in the case in which someone has, you know, um, committed adultery and broken that covenant bond, 
so strongly Jesus permits divorce in that case. The other one is found in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 15, and the justification for it there is abandonment. So in, you know, as early Christians were having, um, you know, people would become Christians and then they were married and their spouse would be like, well, if you're going to be a Christian, then I'm leaving you. And Paul says, well, if that happens, if they leave you, um, then you're free, meaning free to remarry. But he says, but don't you leave them. You know, you stay in that marriage. If that, if your spouse is willing, even though they're not a believer, to live in marriage with you, then you should stay in the relationship. Now, here's what's interesting. What about abuse, right? Because it's not uh, explicitly spoken. And so uh, certainly God hates abuse throughout the Old Testament. God shows himself to be a God who is on the side of the abused and the and and he opposes abusers. And so, um, you know, it, it's really a difficult one. And there's a theologian named Wayne Grudem. He wrote, he's a very conservative biblical theologian, very good. And he wrote a systematic theology. And what's interesting is that he recently, like, uh, I guess this is like three years ago, came out and said that he had changed his view, where in the past he would have said, if there's physical abuse, then, um, you know, maybe it's grounds for separation, but not for divorce. But he said that the more he studied the original text there in 1 Corinthians 7.15, he began to believe that where it says, and I'll read you the verse, it says this, if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not bound. And the question is, what does in such cases mean? Does in such cases mean in such cases as one person abandons the other person? Or does in such cases mean in cases similar to separate uh, person abandoning their spouse? And he said, well, um, you know, the, the, that's the big question. Does it leave it open for, you know, things that are not named specifically, such as abuse, physical abuse, or, or let's say other things that could happen that were, let's say, so catastrophic to a marriage that it couldn't possibly recover, that had damaged it on the same level as abandonment or, um, or adultery? And he said that he actually came down on the side of, of believing that it was actually a saying that an abused spouse is no longer bound and therefore has grounds for divorce. Now, what could be done with this is somebody could take that as a loophole, right? Or a carte blanche, if you will, to say, well, you know, therefore I get to define what counts as abuse. But you're talking about physical abuse, right? And so I would say that I do believe that. Now, not everybody will believe with, will agree with me. It really comes down to an interpretation of 1 Corinthians 7.15, um, but I would certainly not advise anyone who is in an abusive relationship to stay in that relationship. And I would encourage them to reach out to the authorities, I mean, reach out to the police, right? These are, if, if someone's harming someone else in that way, it needs to be reported to the police. And there are also um, abuse hotlines that you can call into. And I would encourage anybody out there who's experiencing physical abuse to not remain in that place where they're being harmed. That's not God's heart. And um, yeah, and even report those things to the authorities. So I, th I think that, I hope that answers your question. Again, it's a, a very much debated topic, um, but I, I would say that 
I actually have a statistic for you. 96% of pastors polled said that they would tell a person who was experiencing physical abuse to, to not stay in that situation, whether they got divorced or separated, but not to stay in it. It does worry me a little bit about the other 4% who said that they should stay. But I, I know that their heart is to be faithful to the scriptures. We also want to remember uh, the whole counsel of God's word, right? Not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of it. So that being said, uh, the number to call, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, we've probably got time for about one more call and a few more text messages. So the number to call, once again, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next question that was texted in. Someone says, I know the word of God is true and inspired by God, but I don't understand how some events in the Bible got recorded with such accuracy if there was no eyewitness to record the event. For example, when Jesus was praying to his father in the garden by himself because the disciples were asleep, how did that get recorded? The disciples were asleep, so none of them would have been able to record the event. Another, when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the devil, no one was there with Jesus to record that event. Can you enlighten me? Thank you and God bless. Okay, I can enlighten you and I hope this answer will satisfy you. I know it satisfies me, but let's see how you take it. Um, here's the thing. How could the disciples have ever known what Jesus prayed in the garden? Because they were asleep and then Jesus got arrested and then they never had a chance for Jesus to like tell them about it and tell them what happened, right? Except they did. Because as you'll remember, Jesus resurrected three days later and spent 40 days with his disciples. And knowing, right, that the disciples were going to be the ones who were going to be witnesses of him, right? Their witnessing of him was not only in, you know, what we might think of as one-on-one -on -one evangelism. Their witness was also in giving the witness of the scriptures. And so Jesus would have wanted to tell them as he recounted, as he's speaking with his friends even, here's what I was praying in the garden that night. Here's what God was doing. You know, much of what was recorded in the gospels, I believe that was private events, would have been things that Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection about what happened in those times when they weren't there to see it so that they could record it so that it could be a witness for future generations. So great question. I love that you're reading the Bible and asking those kinds of questions. Keep that up and God bless you. Hey, this is Calvary Live. We are coming up to the end of our show. Just want to um, encourage you this Sunday, if you don't have a place yet to worship, then uh, look for one. If you're looking for a place here in the Longmont, Colorado area, or if you're within driving distance, we'd love to have you come up. You can. We have four uh, services on Easter Sunday, and we'd love to have you join us for one of those. You can find service times and directions on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Another thing I want to tell you about, I recently wrote a book, and I'm really excited about it. My hope is that it can be a resource for the church at large. And so if you haven't yet checked out my book, I'd love it if you do so. You can just type my name, Nick Cady, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y, into um, websites where you buy books, and I should come right up. The title of my book is The God I Won't Believe in, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. And in it, we 
deal with some of the big questions that people are asking today. Like, has God really proven his existence? Is the Bible really trustworthy? A lot of questions that we discuss here on the show. Um, you know, did God condone genocide in the Old Testament? Um, you know, what do we make of hateful, hypocritical Christians? Does God encourage the suppression of women and minorities? Um, why does God say that some people's love is wrong? Why doesn't God answer prayers, etc.? So we answer these and more questions. Um, and I'd love it if you'd check that out. You can also find it on my website, nickkady.org. And one last thing as we finish the show, I wanted to share with you, you might have heard that the word Easter comes from Ishtar. There's a popular meme that was floating around a few years ago. That's not actually true. Um, the word Easter um, comes from the the uh, Latin phrase in albis, which in Old High German is ostrom, which led to ostern in modern German, Easter in English. So the word Easter actually comes from the idea of dawn or daybreak, which is what in albis means. And did you know that Easter eggs actually originated not out of pagan practices, but because Easter comes at the end of Lent in the Catholic and Orthodox traditions, and during Lent, particularly Orthodox Christians, do not eat eggs. And so they would traditionally, what they would do is, as they had animals, you know, in days gone by, they would collect all the eggs and they would hard boil them. And then, of course, they began making them a treat because people hadn't eaten eggs in so long. They were excited to eat eggs on Easter. And so they began hiding them. Uh, children began coloring them, and it became uh, a festivity. And so that's how we get the practice of that. As for the Easter Bunny, Easter Bunny was created by German immigrants who came to the United States in the 1700s. They called it the Osterhase, and it was essentially like a mascot. So I would just encourage you, um, you know, you don't need to be worried about uh, paganism when it comes to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. The truth is Jesus is risen indeed. And I hope you'll celebrate that this weekend. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. I'll be with you again next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.